0: welcome to the recruitment mentors podcast my name is hisha Mazouz. today i'm really excited to be joined by bernadette clark who is the director of the public sector division at evolution recruitment Bernadette has worked in the industry for over a decade and within this time she has consistently progressed to either a director level or a leadership position across the number of brands that she's worked for throughout her career. Bernadette is extremely passionate about moving the needle on diversity within the sector that she recruits in as well as the recruitment industry. She actively mentors within women in recruitment and also has recently joined us at the recruitment mentors community as well. Now as well as this, She has launched the Exchange NHS podcast where she actively interviews leaders within the public sector and in 2017 launched Her Plus Data Manchester, uh, which is a community um, working to connect, inspire, support and empower the Northwest UK's women in data. Bernadette, or should I say Bernie? And I said Bernadette a number of times there. Everyone Bernie. Bernie. Yeah. Well, welcome to the podcast. How are you?
1: You make me sound amazing. <laughs> <laughs> when you hear it like that, it sounds great, doesn't it?
0: <laughs> yeah, plenty of great things to talk about. So where we always like to start on this podcast is, so in your opinion, the million dollar question, million pound question, like what what characteristics and traits do you think make up a highly successful recruitment consultant in your eyes?
1: So probably been asked the question a few times over the years and then um, and, and obviously done my fair share of of hiring um you know people from scratch that have you know, maybe graduated or um want to work in that sort of recruitment and sales environment and i suppose there's there's always sort of common themes running through the ones that uh make it the people that become successful and then you sort of look around yourself sort of years to and they're managing teams of their own or businesses of their own or people have gone on to either open their own businesses and um so I think the number one thing is is ambition and it's sort of why how you you quantify that is it's sort of ambitious in terms of money money's one thing money's you know that's the financial side I think you need more than that you need an internal drive um and I don't you can't say where that comes from in a person whether it's your background mm. whether it's your aspirations whether it's your culture whether it's your you know the people around you but the people that have been successful want a little bit more out of life than than your average and mm. so they're willing to put the effort in and I think work ethic for me if someone's not to put the graft in in recruitment is probably there's a million and one other jobs out there that you can do and mm. so having a strong work ethic is very very important for me um so let's talk let, about the other things like yeah oh,
0: sorry i going not say let obviously we can like you said i know the the drive piece there which i think is really interesting because i think yeah everyone has their own story and they've been on their own journey but let, yeah. let's talk about yours then like where do you think that comes from for you in your story like where's that do you think it's um, come from the environment you grew up in or where do you think it's come from
1: yeah definitely I think you know we're all we're all a product of our of our early years aren't we um and I think you know sort of quite humble beginnings for me um one side of my family is quite uh well off and the other very much sort of uh, working class and so I probably had a little bit of uh saw sort of a side of, of <laughs> life that you could have a, a a window into but definitely my my immediate family very very working class um and grew up in a place called the isle of Sheppey, which is not not mo- known to many people but um you know quite as a sort of humble humble beginnings we didn't have a lot of uh, spare cash or anything like that so you're there for um seeing what other people have and the holidays and the house and the lifestyle. And, you know, I knew that I had to um, educate myself in the first instance. You know, I think um, I was always thought by those around me that education would be our path out of, and I say our because it was me and my sister, um, <laughs> our path out of, of, of the the situation that we were in, really. So, going to university, getting a good degree and then being able to make choices as to your career that was the basis and the foundation of what everything else was put on.
0: Yeah. Love that. So just for context and for people listening, um, obviously, so right now, like you, do you manage, are you just involved on the contract side?
1: Yeah, I've been a contract uh, biller, a contract consultant for uh, really for 17 years. And whilst I okay. managed those billers um, and you know and and direct that team I still have my toe in the dip my toe in the water and I still speak to lots of clients now but contracts always been me through and through. So you've
0: always yeah that's what I wanted to make sure for people listening and then and then have you always been in so I can see in the first company you worked for it says social care but so have you always been around the public sector or have you also have you also been involved in the private sector as well has always been on the in the Public
1: sector um, out of interest, basically both so. Um, Morgan Hunt is a public recruitment company. I worked there for nine years, um, opened up sort of various different offices for them regionally. Um, but the the teams that I ran were always in public sector like housing, um, and, and, and social care, as you've just mentioned. Um, but I also ran, I, I opened the Manchester, Leeds, Birmingham, Newcastle offices, um, mm. and the, um, and then I moved to Rulion, um, which was entirely private sector. So right. I worked there for around six years. So and moved to technology at that point, um, to doing tech, digital, IT, data, um, you know, Devon testing as well with the markets that I ran. Um, and and that was purely private sector customers. When I moved to Evolution, I was um, brought on as a director for the private sector tech contract team um, mm. for the UK did that for 2 years and then it's really only to, as a result of covid that i directed our efforts to uh, deliver digital into the nas
0: okay got it perfect overview so that that's really good context so i guess look let's let's just dive into like the really good stuff then that i think people are going to want to obviously hear from your point of view like what what do you believe sort of makes a great contract recruiter great like what what do you think great contract billers have in common would you say when I ask that to you what what immediately comes up for you
1: I think um contract is <laughs> probably gonna I don't want to upset anyone that's a, a pair <laughs> here but um contract is complex you know there's, yeah. there's a little bit more to it than than placing you know even in terms of the compliances attached to it and, and all of that kind of thing so lots and lots of moving parts so you have to be really good at keeping your eye on the ball at business development as well as doing your you know managing your contractors um you only grow obviously if you're in your book if you're good at managing your base and not letting that base mm. you know those runners sort of fall away from you so you have to have your eye on anything new new jobs business development contractor management and in your, your pool of contractors through. So, you have to be good at all of those things at, at one single time, which some people find that quite difficult to manage all of those things. <laughs> um, I think contract tends to be a little bit more salesy. There are people that, you know, they're, they're not waiting for the next um, contract uh, deliverer to, to come through, are they? You know, you need to be able to mm. have very, very good hunting skills. Um, and... And, you know, that sort of not taking no for an answer, the resilience and determination that everyone uh, in recruitment needs to display. Um, but I think, you know, if I'm looking around the, the room that, that we, you know, the office that I'm in now, a um, couple of them worked at the weekends, more than happy to put in a little bit of craft in the evenings. And I don't know if people want to hear or not, but, you know, it's it's about going the extra mile and being probably prepared to make a few sacrifices in your personal life throughout the week in order to get those gains, actually, so that you can, you know, you yeah. enjoy other aspects of your personal life.
0: Sure. So a couple of things I just want to sort of zoom in on that most people, most recruiters will message me that they want to find out, learn about, ask people on this podcast. So the two things are one, the the new business side of things. That's always a popular area that people always message around. Want to hear how people have improved on that and these types of things. And then two, the um, the the time management, the systems, like what you've, what I guess, what your day plan looks like now or when at the peak of when you was a contract builder compared to what it looked like early on. People want to obviously hear these types of things. So let's start with um, the um, the time management and these types of things, if that's okay with you. So you said. Mm-hmm. Even more, and I feel like obviously I, I used to work in um, permanent recruitment, and, and people listening who operate in that world as well will also say to you that they're juggling loads of, spinning loads of plates and these types of things, right? But I think fair to say, as a, whenever I've interviewed contractors, they've got to be like really on the ball with like everything that's going on, like that person that's coming to the end of their, I don't know, there's, yeah, there might be just even, even more going on. So I guess. That's a really common thing that people want to know. So like sort of Bernie early on in her career, as you were working out what worked for you and these type of things, like what what, what has massively changed in your sort of day plan when you were really producing the the higher numbers compared to when you were early on out of interest? Like what does a typical day look like? What did it look like when you was in a yeah. fill out billing role?
1: And, I'll, and I'll, I will go back a few years rather than talk about the present time. Yeah, yeah. okay. So um, I think – when you're first starting out, you're um, you're not aware of like your ratios. You're not aware of how many yeah. calls it takes, to, for example, to to pull a job. So I worked that out quite quickly. And for me, I needed to make about 25 BD calls to then pull uh, a position. And then, um, yeah, you know, then you can work out how many placements that you're going to make a month, and you can become quite scientific about it. Um, you're also graphed where you get into a customer in the first place, and Um, I think people sort of miss a trick a little bit. You know, they might be doing lots and lots of new business calls, to new organisations, but have they fully maxed out the organisations that they've already placed with? So, Mm. you know, the common thing about sort of landing and expanding, that was probably where I did pretty well. Um, I would always highlight where there were pockets of... um, of, of business that I could do and then get people to recommend me over to to other managers. So, you're actually from one customer, you might have, you know, multiple contractors running. If I think about one particular customer I worked with, um, had about 30 contractors in one organization. Um, wow. So, you can, whilst you've got risk there, because what if suddenly that tapped her? Yes, yeah, less diversified. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and you've got sort of lots of eggs in one basket. Um, obviously, that really helped me significantly in terms of time. So I would, um, I think when I was probably doing the best in terms of my, my financials, I had about four or five customers where I had multiple contracts and then I had ones and twos in, say, another five or six customers. Um, yeah. And that sort of spread the book. And I always try to sort of... Um, enhance what I already had because getting into an organ new organization was was a lot harder.
2: Yeah. Um
1: in terms of day plan, um in, in 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 Morgan it was um really pre pre designed for you, not an awful lot of autonomy. Like okay you could have walked into any Morgan Hunt office at 10 o'clock and everyone was switching to BD from candidate Right, okay. Like little okay. robots almost. <laughs> and um, and and I suppose after a couple of years you get a bit fed up with that because you want your own mm. to add your own spin on things.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's
1: definitely something to be said for structure, and something to be said for you know that discipline and routine. Um, because I still instill that now into to people that join. Fair enough. Once people have got sort of a little bit more experience, they can they can you know sort of uh, change the times that they're doing things. But broadly speaking, you have to do some business every single day as a contract recruiter if you don't if you spend all your time on delivery you're going to turn around and not know what jobs you're going to be placing next so even when my consultants are at their busiest I still ask them to carve out of business development day and I think that's it's a bit of golden a golden rule a you know I've seen so many people sort of spend a week or two week delivery solidly and then not have anything to sort of turn around and and be able to still be playthings, so you limit yourself and restrict yourself significantly. Um, I think also we were talking about contractor management, and you've got to weave that into every single day as well. If you don't, and you you could go a week without speaking to your contractors. Well, they'll soon be being poached by someone else <laughs> if you don't keep that relationship. So um, it's about being hot on on all of those all of those
0: specs. Mm. And what, and what, so just quickly, just getting really practical here, cause this is what people love. So yeah, you've explained that really well. And then I guess just what, what, I guess what systems, or what things really work for you to have the best possible chance of keeping on top of all, all those things? Was it you, you pretty much blocked out your diary for every activity? Did you have a to-do list that worked for you? Like what sort of, and I don't know, there'll be some days that are better than others, but like, besides when the whole team around you are doing the same thing, that obviously helps. But like for you, what really works for you in the end, or typically. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Sourcebreaker. Now, right now, if you've worked your absolute socks off to get a candidate on board and work with them on an exclusive basis, there's a good chance that you are going to have to maximize that opportunity as much as possible. You should probably be doing this anyway. But... Let's say you've got a candidate, they have sought after skills, experience, and you only have two live vacancies who you have relationships with where they fit that, what they're looking for. Now, what you want to be doing is making sure that they have as many opportunities, options as possible, and these options to be obviously through you. You want to deliver a great service. Now, one of the ways that Sourcebreaker can speed up this process in understanding what other job opportunities are there in my market right now where this person's skill set, their experience, fits the current live vacancies that maybe companies I don't know or I don't have terms with or I'm working with. Guess what? You can automate all of that with Sourcebreaker. When I saw this part of the tool... It would have saved me so much time. So one of the really cool things that you can do with Sourcebreaker is when you do have this candidate that you're working with, what you can very quickly do is basically use all of that experience and all of the information about that candidate to basically unearth and find live job opportunities that match that person's experience and skill set. And you can do all of this in Sourcebreaker. It will give you the list of companies, the job specs that you can see. And guess what? You've now just got your hot list of companies and opportunity to spec in that candidate that you know most companies will be looking for. And that's going to give you an even better chance to make more money, maximize the opportunity you have with that candidate and deliver an even better service. So if you want to start saving time in doing that and not mapping out the whole market, where else do I need to spend this person into and start making more money or giving yourself more opportunity to make more placements, then use the link in the comments, register for a demo and start using your recruitment mentors, exclusive savings on this brilliant source breaker tool.
1: Yeah I think being um, organisation has always come quite easily to me um, it's not you know, I've, I've got a hundred to-do lists in my personal life as well as my <laughs> you know, my work life um, I always write a to-do list the night before um, Okay, it's clear and um, if anything hasn't been actioned it rolls to the next day without being uh, you know and my inbox is always super super clean um, it's either filed actioned or it's yet to do and I mm. would Beat if i had more than 10 emails in my inbox
0: um, yeah, yeah.
1: They, they they you know i run things very very leanly and that helps me sort of see the wood tree when things are busy because it's so easy yeah. to become overwhelmed um Different organisations that I've worked in have had different systems. So Morgan Hunt was Bond Adapt. I absolutely loved it. It had a, you know, it had a, a great way of sort of doing your callbacks, uh, monitoring what your outputs were each day, and then I press the button and I could see what my team's outputs were. Um, I love dashboards and being able to see, um, yeah. you know, your stats and what is actually what you've actually achieved, and then look, link that into the, the monthly, um, you know. But good out, you know, having reminders and you know making sure you know, you start from a, maybe a paper day plan when you're first starting, don't you? But soon mm. you you become accustomed and, and do certain things on on automatic. Um, uh, Rulion was a bespoke database, which in my opinion, wasn't that great. It didn't help me an awful lot. Um, it's more of a candidate management tool than a business development tool. Um, and at Evolution, we use multiple things, but um, we're, we're big fans of Trello. Um, yeah, so great. all about Yeah. And, um, you know, I think working in tech, um, people are very, you know, there's much more advanced tools than Trello out there. But for me, it's a really useful tool, moving cards along, everyone having shared access to those boards so that you can see where updates are, getting the notices through so that you can yeah. understand where things have moved from. Um, and then just being able to go into a, log into a Trello board from wherever you are and being able to manage your your own
0: so tickets. See what's going on. Yeah, 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 nice. And you can you, you use a lot of Trello for free, by the way, for anyone listening that's sort of you try, always trying to look for a tool that can help them. And I guess just really quickly, so you organize your inbox by filed, actioned, and to-do, you said? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Okay, so, nice. Um, I hardly – so right now, as I've been on things all day, my inbox will be doing. But I have a rule that – so I can't I can't leave until – it's either action door put it on the to-do list for the next day or you know you have to be quite rigid and disciplined with yourself because you could easily let that that slip but if that slipped for me then I would know that I'm not completely I'm not in it.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no awesome thank you for sharing that so I guess the the next thing then and let's sort of keep, I guess uh, uh, it'd be great if you could keep this maybe in like the last sort of 12 to 18 months and maybe you could speak from yourself or even your team just because I feel like the landscape has changed so much and and that's what sort of people want to hear. So I guess the next thing then on like, what has been sort of the most reliable way then for you and your team to win business um, and get the most out of that business development time? There's one thing making the time for it, but then there's another thing doing it effectively So like what what comes up for you and there might be a couple of ways, but what's ended up being like the 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 best sort of most reliable way of you and your team to be winning business and on the contract side of things out of interest?
1: So evolution didn't recruit the NHS eighteen months ago. And now we are I would say without blowing around trumpets recognized as a brand that delivers into the nhs um definitely nice got sort of multiple customers across uh, multiple nhs organizations and uh, winning business ahead of competition um, quite quite easily um and i think the thing that um, and and you know hisham you've had definitely had something to do with this as well in to understand how personal brand could really aid me and i very Mm. much enjoyed doing the sessions that that you ran at evolution um sort of getting your name out there but by giving something to the market that you're in helps you then to be able to take something from that market and um and by taking i mean being able to to place business and make revenue um but the, the the single biggest uh i suppose Tool in our toolboxes, the the podcast, the roundtables, and the article series that we do. Yeah. Um, I was able to leverage the experience I had from Her Plus Data um, in hosting sort of quite large and understanding the types of conversations that people wanted to talk about, um, and then take that into. I've done a, a female leadership series um, in tech in the H S. Had the privilege of interviewing around um female leaders in tech who've then become my customers and because you're building up sort of quite a a bond with them or as you're talking um then it sort of makes sense that then you end up working with them and delivering their their talent as well um yeah i definitely didn't want to be pigeonholed into just talking to women um so for me um i was looking for angles to talk about uh things that appealed to 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 men and women um and men definitely want to talk more about the tech and the projects that they've um they've they've you know delivered the things that they've actually um executed and facilitated in the organization um they want to talk about achievement much more than challenges women are quite comfortable to talk about the diversity angle so i've kind of just appealed to both and then i've i regularly now um Organised roundtables. I held a webinar yesterday um, mm. on robotic process Something that I wouldn't have thought I'd, I'd be doing eighteen months ago. But you find yourself in, um, in those sort of positions, and then you become very, very comfortable and familiar at doing the hosting side, as, as you're doing today.
0: Yeah, um,
1: yeah, so for that's sure. Been, that's been our, our best angle
0: so so just on this then you don't have to give us all the secrets and like go into loads of details and your processes right but like would you mind just like painting a picture for us like obviously i i understand this because it's also a great tool for me and how i've grown my so like like just talk to us in like recruitment like ha- terms like if i'm listening to this i'm going okay bernie but like how like how does it how do you go from speaking to people about webinars podcasts articles to then these people? giving you vacancies and opportunities to work with them. Like what, what is the typical journey out of interest and maybe just paint a picture on there out of interest. Do you, is it that you always follow up and is it always that you're, you do bring it up at some point? I don't know. Like what, how does it typically happen out of interest? I know it, I know it will differ because that's how it's happened for me, but this podcast is proudly partnered with VinCherry, the all in one platform. Now I, I, I'm not gonna tell you why you should be looking at this product, despite the new features, new releases that they have recently announced. But again, this week, I want to tell you why Vincere could be a fantastic career opportunity for all of you listening to this podcast. And there's a really great opportunity right now to join their huge growth trajectory. Now, who better to ask them one of their current employees? And I reached out to Matt Donnelly, who joined them three and a half years ago as a customer success executive, who's progressed all the way to head of customer success. So hear what he has to say, why he loves working at and what the opportunities are. And if you are interested, check out their live vacancies on vincherry.com That's V-I-N-C-E-R-E dot com.
2: So the main reason I like working at Vincherry is, I mean, there's quite a few, but I think the main one is, it's just progression. You know, we are such an agile company and we're going through this, you know, hyper growth um, phase of, of growth. And the opportunity is unbelievable. You know, you, the opportunity to do anything you want. If you're good at your job and you can prove that, you know, your talent will be fast-tracked and you'll move up the chain. You'll move into a management and leadership role really, really quickly. And you'll see your ideas come to life. You know, there's no, there's not many layers. Um, everyone's got an open say. There's no egos as a big part of our strategy. And if you've got good ideas and you're willing to prove them and put them in practice, you'll see those ideas in our process, in our platform, in months, not years. Um, So it's a really just refreshing, it's just really refreshing to be part of a company that, you know, respect that and and fast track that talent. So that's probably one of the main ones. Um, I would say, you know, it's not just Vinciar is working at Vinciar is not just a job. You know, it's not somewhere where you come, you work nine till five, that's it, you leave, you take your money. It's a career. You know, it's whatever you put in this company is what you get out. And it kind of links back to the progression and the growth. It really is a career. It's a long term career. Um. So if you're hungry for a challenge, you want to change, you're bored of the same day to day. You know, Vincere is, is where you want to be, particularly where we are now in our growth stage. It's a really, really exciting time to join
1: I think um, I understand your questions. Um, I think some people could do lots of these nice sort of questions, interviews and talk to people on round tables and things like that, but never uh monetize it, never yeah. turn that into anything commercial and you know sit there and have lots and sort of lovely conversations, but no outcome. So mm. I very quickly explain who I am and, and what I actually what I'm about, what I want to do and why I'm doing it. So but for us, we're a framework supplier on um, several of the NHS frameworks. So, I, I make a point of stating it. And some people will be aware that you're you're going to um, talk to them about recruitment. You can tell that maybe that's not the right time to, to broach it. Um, so, it's all about reading people, isn't it, and understanding what the right time is. But at no point do we ever shy away from the fact that we're a recruiter. Mm. and I'm very proud to say that I deliver lots of wonderful tech talent into the NHS. Um, but then we talk about the things that matter to people. I draw the connection that way. That what what matters to people: their careers, their career choices, the environments they work in. We talk about mental health, diversity. I've got onto topics like Black Lives Matter because people mm. are people. So I could be, I could be. Um, we're talking about people with disability, LGBTQ, because the NHS hires all of those people. Of course, it's yeah. relevant because we need to, we should all be taking our, you know, playing our part in making our working environments more inclusive because our people will then be more productive and uh, they will, the organisations that we're working with will be uh, more productive and more efficient. So yeah. you draw those connections. Um, I will sometimes, you know, it feels like a little bit of a loose connection because um, what you're wanting to do is is, is place their people. But as, as I mentioned, I would never, ever, ever shy away from being a recruiter. It's one thing yeah, yeah. I say as a recruiter or I'll, I'll give them the context when we frame the conversation. I'll tell the want to do an in- or I want to do a podcast, or I want to do um, a round table and the reason why. But then I say, let me give you the context and explain that as a recruiter, this is what we do, and this is our. we do.
0: Yeah, I think that's the key point. Like, it's and that's the thing. Like, as a recruiter, you need. It's just about getting more opportunities to share like who you are, why you do, well, more and less about you, but more about them as to like how you can help them. So it's like, this is how we've been helping people like you. These are the challenges that we help them solve with the talent that we provide them, et cetera. So like just or making sure, I guess, then uh, the relevant part of the process in talking about these things, you're going, hey, this is what we do. We're proud of it. We're bloody good at it. Just so you know, and like what we're, yeah. yeah. Okay. But well, never,
1: if you miss the opportunity to see it, then- yeah you're kind of always going to have a nice relationship, but much else.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, Need cool. But that's it. a key part. Yeah. Yeah. So then just, and then again, just on this before we go on to the next thing I want to ask you about, which is um, like, just again, I'm getting a bit practical here. Like what does the outreach look like? Cause I think that's what people are interested in as well. Cause it's like the typical reasons why I may call a particular uh, target client will be specking in a CV I've got, I know I've helped such and such like you or referral or whatever. So like, what does that outreach look like out of interest and how have you found that being received? Has it been received better? Have you got more people coming back to you? Like, what does that outreach look like as well to target prospect clients?
1: So the same with any sort of um, getting together a project on LinkedIn of a target audience or um, getting um, a, the, the same situation would apply to this um and you've got to be mindful that you know i get 100 percent hit rate um i, I get 100 percent hit rate when it's a referral when someone says i've really enjoyed talking to you about female leadership please talk to my colleague here i'll copy yeah. you in and we will do the same thing and i'll chat to her tonight about how it was that that's 100 percent. but if i'm sort of um sending out a mass message to people yeah and i would say i'd be I'd be happy if it was around sort of forty percent hit rate, and I would think that that would still be quite high. Mm. It's all about the way you, the what you put in the message, the um, the uh, using leverage from your output. So getting your first one is probably going to be the most difficult. Um, and, and so I I chose someone in the marketplace that was very prominent, um, that I thought other people would be very very keen to hear about. And if I got her to do it, it I had bit of a, a snowball. Exactly, a snowball. Yeah, yeah. And and so it gained it momentum and it gained that momentum really, really quickly. I I'd right. appreciate for every market there might not be that um that that one person. But you know your markets, you know, a recruiter yeah. knows their market pretty well. You can you can go to the like the number one client in your market and reach out to someone there. Um, and then but the messaging has to be you Know really well written, it has to be the language that you're using is non recruitment. Um, mm. your reasons have to be you're not mentioning recruitment in any of that message at all.
2: Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. About, I got you, man.
1: Um, And 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 dude, I'll, I'll be honest and say there's not a lot, lot of ego fluttering and telling people that they they look amazing <laughs> and they're exactly the type of person that you want to have and with, speak to. Yeah, 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 and clearly that works.
0: Yeah. I love that. Okay. And then just, so th- before we finish, what I just really want to talk to you about is sort of um, just around really, you uh, always ended up in some sort of leadership position and a few other things, but just really quickly on this, like what, how do you think, like you you've sorry to highlight this, but you've been doing recruitment for, as you said, like 17 years. Right. So, think, I, so I I guess, so, yeah, I just want to like commend, <laughs> I guess what I want to commend and highlight here, and maybe you can comment, like how, like a lot of people would have gone, nah, I don't know how to do it. Or like, I've, we've always done it this way. Do you get what I mean? So I guess, I don't know. I'm just like curious as to like, why was you able to be open-minded to doing it this way? Because I'm sure if I was to say to you three years ago that you'd be doing podcasts, like I know you had the event series, but doing podcasts, webinars, all this, and that would have been one of the most effective ways for you to grow your contract business. You would have gone, good one. Or not sure about that, maybe. So I don't know, just curious about that. Like, how, what, what do you think? Why have you been able to be so open minded and fluid? And yeah.
1: And, and, and I'd say, so yes, I have been. Also, if I think about my boss, Matthew, yeah. he probably won't mind me saying, but he's, he's over 55. And so <laughs> he would, you know, you think, you know, he, he won't mind me saying this at all, but you know, he would, you would think, oh, that he wouldn't be that you Know that on it, that on things that were current yeah, yeah, yeah. and trendy, and so it is that open mindedness, isn't it? I think it's just you know, we're never, we're never as recruiters, we never know it all, do we? There's always someone that's built more than you, that's um, knows mm. more than you, and yeah, you know, I probably have walked in a little bit and t shirt and all of those things, but um, you have to move with the time. If you do not move with the times, then you're going to be dead in the water, and. I think I'd listen to, you know, to an apple and, you know, a good, um, there's a lot of innovation at Evolution. Um, a lot mm. of people that are, you know, it, it, it is one of our core values. We, you know, collaborative and ambitious and, and innovative and to, you've got to then breathe, haven't you? You can have something written mm. on a wall, but you've actually got to be innovative. And I don't I say I came up with it. I didn't come up with it by, it, by any means. Um, in fact, I would say, go so far as to say, I would have shied away from it. I'm not a outgoing, I th- probably even said this to you when we did the personal brand session Hisham. Yeah. I don't like, I was quite, I'm quite actually naturally shy. Um, mm. Don't really like to be put out there. Definitely when I'm doing, hosting a webinar yesterday with 80 people on it, I am racked with nerves a minute before. <laughs> um, and and yet, I, I there's oh, also something about um, we're in a, a situation now where teams and video conferencing is just so commonplace. You do something mm. again, again and again and again. It just wouldn't matter now whether it's me and you talking or whether there's a thousand people there sat behind the screen. I don't know. So I just I'm confident now to talk in sort of these environments really, really freely. Um, I wouldn't say I would probably have the same confidence face. Um but I think a lot of it comes down to characteristics. Are you prepared to sort of take on other people's new ideas? Um, would, I'd credit definitely credit a chap called Chris Bennett, who I know you know, with yeah, yeah. Uh, pushing and you know pushing and saying you know we. But I might have come up with some of the ideas around doing the um, roundtable articles. But definitely, there's a collaboration of people internally. We've got an innovative marketing team. I work with people that are constantly pushing me and. I quite like it. I like being Yeah, that's
0: amazing. Yeah. So before we finish then, um, I just definitely want to make sure that we talk about this. So women in recruitment, right? So I guess, look, I guess the way that I want to frame this up is really, I just want to sort of hear your thoughts on how can, how can we impact the amount of women in leadership and senior positions in the recruitment industry. So to give context, and I've shared this a couple of times, and you have a family, right? You yep. have children, don't you? Kids. Yeah, yeah. So, yep. so, so one of the so I want to find out from you, really, like how, how you've managed to do both, basically. And the reason why I say that is because one say of the bloody hard. yeah, and I just wanted to talk freely about that, really, because one of the things that I continue to hear, and I know it's a complex, multifaceted issue and challenge, right? But definitely one of the common things that I hear is that whole sort of crossroads that you, must have appeared on or may have it may have sort of come up for you where you're like wow I put all this work into my recruitment career I'm doing well I want a family definitely but how am I going to maintain my career and like my family life like I don't know like how that's one of it one how have you managed that and any advice for people that aspiring mothers and um, people that want a family to how they can maintain both and two like how can we move the needle on more s- sort of um senior females in the recruitment industry
1: Um, I think um, it would definitely have been a bumpier experience so my kids are now 11 and 9 twins are 9 and and Zach's 11 so um, I remember um, it was a guy actually one of uh, a close friend uh, I think he was instrumental in actually writing the paternity policy it was that you know archaic there was you know in (laughs) recruitment those you know say 12 years ago organizers didn't even have a they didn't even talk about yeah or childcare yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. or
1: anything of like that whereas now it's just sort of like a, a given that, that that would be in place um i actually remember being absolutely petrified to tell my boss that i was pregnant um, yeah. and and you know trying to keep it for a long time and you know being probably a little bit secretive because you just didn't know what was then – was your desk going to be taken away from you? What was going to yeah. be the consequence of that? Um, going back and, – and and that's what happened. My desk was taken away from me. Um, and wow. I was also promised a couple of bonuses um, that then I didn't receive because I was going off on to, to Matley. So I did a lot of – I actually opened our Newcastle office while stagnant um, and did a lot wow. of work, very heavily pregnant, um, and, and really – in hindsight, probably wouldn't have busted a gut quite as much if, if I knew that the goalposts would have been moved. Um, and so you hear of lots of experiences like that. And um, we joined Evolution and people were saying to me, you know, having a female on the board was really welcome. Could we could we think about the, you know, the return um, journey for women coming back after mat leave? And there was an example of someone who had a, a rocky time. Um I absolutely vowed that um, she wouldn't have a rocky time the second time around and we would put our arms around anyone that was coming back. Because for women, your confidence is at the lowest ever is coming back after maternity leave. You've got – absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, that needs to be recognised by leaders and you need to support these women into – coming back into an environment that they can manage, they're daunted by having to leave their child in the first place. And then how on earth are they going to have the juggle that, how do you master that? How do you master being the best at work, yes. being no the best at child, it is so, so, so difficult. Um, and so our jobs as leaders is to make other people's jobs as easy as we possibly can, not harder. Um, so, as you can tell, I've got very, very strong beliefs on this matter. Um, yeah, but you so. know, it's about absolutely yeah, and and I would say for anyone returning to work, whether that's because you've cared for a parent that's been poor or, or, or for whatever reason, you know, been sick yourself or whatever, you know, all of these things matter. Um, so, I think um, in terms of it, it's about sort of you know supporting supporting those around us. Um, Often on contract, um, if a, if someone's going on to mat leave, you don't then get your commission. I think that should be a, a, a whole scale policy change that, you know, you've put those contractors in, you should earn that commission. If that mm. person would be far more likely to return to a business, if their commission has been kept going for them. Of course. Um, and, you know, people, you know, recruitment companies will say, oh, well, they're not likely to come back. Well, of course, they're not likely to come back if you haven't treated yeah, them that. well in the first place. Yeah, yeah, case. yeah. yeah. Um, policy it all comes down to policy
0: what about what about um for anyone listening that's like what would your advice be having gone through it like a, advice for anyone that is really worried about telling their employer i don't know i don't know you may have had these conversations but like what any sort of practical advice there or anything that people can think about that might help in that situation Because i can imagine that being so daunting and yeah i
1: think um there's two instances of of women that have um gone on Matt leave uh, that have either been close to me here at Evolution or on my team, and they were just really really open and honest and you know and and one of the girls when she told me I stood up and gave her a hug and she was just wasn't <laughs> expecting that she thought that it was almost going to be a, a the opposite of that in fact, um and so I suppose there has to be that transparency and and both women actually um continue to do a little bit of work on their mat leaves to keep their hand mm. in um you obviously get your 10 days to keep in touch and but we didn't enforce that if they didn't want to but if they did want to it was absolutely fine um, yeah. we classified even an hour coming in and seeing people as a keep in touch day um
2: nice. it, you know,
1: people will do if you treat people well men or women they will do their best for you yeah, but you've got to think I think the obviously, best it, yeah,
0: it's so hard, obviously, because there's just so much nuance and context, like to that situation that that matters. Like, I th- I think, I guess, I guess the more people that talk about it, hopefully, so for example, the experiences that you experienced, the more people that hear that and go, oh, so that isn't what usually happens, or that isn't what I should expect, the better. So then hopefully that could mean that, more women can be like go into those conversations more confident and go, hey, look, the fact that you're giving me all this limited support, whatever, actually, that's actually not, that isn't how it's typically done or that isn't how I'm hearing other businesses are doing it. So like, yeah. am I in the right bit? Like, cause yeah, cause you could be in the, the wrong business or the business yeah. doesn't support it.
1: In evolution, the entire um, board, all our um, parents, um, I was the first female onto that board, so they're all dads, and there is a <laughs> slight discrepancy in terms of workload at home. Yeah, of course. Um, but um, but I remember our CEO sort of touched me on the touched me on the arm. I was leaving for an interview, and said to me, um, "You know, my, my kids still sleep in my bed sometimes. Don't worry about it. <laughs> work. You know, when people are human about things, yeah, then it actually breaks down those barriers, doesn't it?"
0: yeah I love that and obviously anyone listening that may be in that situation I know that I don't want to put this on you but they're happy to reach out to you or through really it now because I feel always, like it's too, yeah always I think that's always. important I think
1: it's, um, for others or you know no one should ever be it's a horrible thing you should be really excited to be announcing your yeah exactly
0: not yeah absolutely
1: than ashamed or worried or frightened um and for me those two things don't don't you know marry up you should be proud and excited to explain that you're going off to have a baby if it's because it's a wonderful thing in someone's
0: yeah absolutely right so i've got um final question for you which is if if you could change the industry what what would you improve
1: um reputation without a doubt i think you tell people you're a and they go really are you (laughs) you say yeah, but and they, people have a perception, don't they, that the that we're I don't know just all mm. out to make a quick buck, or you know that we're not we do th- don't have quality at the the heart of what we do, that we're just throwing CVs at and making a load of money. We all know that actually, you know, the skills that's required to actually make those placements and make revenue is you know recruiters have got such a lot of uh, skills in their armory, um, and I think. Um, sometimes we don't help ourselves. I think sometimes recruiters can sort of do themselves a disservice. Um, definitely, we're competitive with each other rather than collaborative in terms of um, how I think it's changing and it's changing slowly. But even things like this wouldn't have happened 10 years ago, we'd have kept all of that yeah, yeah. to ourselves. So <laughs> um, I think that, um, you know, the more that we can be open and sort of share, the more that the industry will get a, a better reputation.
0: I love that. Bernadette, absolute pleasure. Bernie, should I say, I know um, I feel like there's loads more we could talk about, so I feel like we're going to have to get a part two for this, but thank you for being super (laughs) open and honest and joining us. Thank you. Well done on making it to the very end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I've done my very best to try and level up this podcast that will hopefully mean that you can take even more learnings, From these conversations and apply it to your own recruitment career. Like always, if there are any particular topics that you would love me to cover with future guests, then please get in touch with me. The best place to reach me is on LinkedIn. Send me a message. What would you love me to cover with future guests? And